But this morning, we are in Hebrews chapter 4. And our passage this morning is going to encourage us to enter into and enjoy God's rest. All right? To enter into and enjoy God's rest. 2020 has been a fatiguing year for many of us. And in many different ways, whether it be physically or mentally or emotionally, maybe even spiritually, and what we have seen exposed is this deep need in us. It's always been there, but this year has exposed it even more, that there is this deep need in us for rest. We as human beings, we have a longing for rest, for rest. And that longing for rest, I mean, it, it shows itself in, in multiple ways, right? I mean, doesn't, it, doesn't that longing for rest even show itself when, when you or your coworkers are just longing for the end of the workday, right? Maybe, maybe not all of your jobs are this way, but I've definitely had some jobs that I'm like staring at the clock, right? Just like waiting. Not this job. I don't do that here, all right? I'm not just running out the clock here. But, but other jobs, right? You're staring at the clock. You're just longing for the end of the workday. Or maybe if you don't have to work on the weekends, right? You, you like, people are just longing for Friday to get there. It can't come quick enough. Or we long for kind of those next holiday weekend or the next holiday. Or we long for that upcoming vacation. And yet those things come and those things happen. And we go on vacation and we have the weekend. And yet we often come away from those times needing more rest than we did before. We are a people who long for rest, but we are not very good at getting it. We're not very good at getting it. But here's the good news this morning, church. Here's the good news. God has provided us his rest. And his rest addresses more than just our physical need for rest. It goes to the core of our being. And what Hebrews 4 verses 1 through 13 is going to encourage us to do this morning is to make every effort to enter into and enjoy the rest that God gives us through faith in Christ. In Matthew 11 verse 28 and 29, we'll have up on the screen, Jesus said, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so this morning, I want to invite all you weary travelers to come find rest for your souls. That's the invitation this morning. So let's, let's pray, and we'll jump into Hebrews 4. Father, we do come for you. We, we, we do come to you, Lord, longing for rest. Father, we ask that you would show us and teach us through your word this rest that you have provided for us through faith in Christ. Lord, help us enter into that rest if we have not yet done so. Help us enjoy it more if we are already there. But Lord, we ask that we would experience and enjoy your rest this morning. Please help In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Hebrews 4, verse 1. Here we go. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith 
with those who listened. All right, you'll remember from last week that Psalm 95 was quoted, and it will be quoted again here, reminding the people of the wilderness generation of the Israelites who had been rescued from slavery in Egypt, but who were not allowed to enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. They did not trust the promise of God, and they were unable to enter. And we learned last week how communities of faith, whether in the Old or New Testament, oftentimes consist of both believers and unbelievers. And therefore, the wilderness generation serves as, to us as an example and a warning to us that, that, hey, just as they were not able to enter into the promised land because of unbelief, so too anyone whose faith is not in Christ will not enter Christ's kingdom and will not enjoy God's eternal rest. But chapter 4, verse 1, it says, While the promise of entering his rest still stands. Church, that's good news. All right? This, this offer to enter into and enjoy God's rest, it's still open. Right? It's still open. Like, praise, praise God for that. This, this offer to enter in, it still stands. We don't know how many tomorrows there will be, but as long as today is called today, the promise to enter in today still stands. God's rest is still available. But then chapter 4, verse 1 says something interesting. It says, let us fear. Let us fear. Now, I don't know about you, but I like verses that say, fear not, better than I like the verses that say, let us fear. But the Bible includes both. And both need to be read and understood and believed. In order to enter into and enjoy God's rest, we must fear a couple of things, okay? First, we are to have a healthy fear of the Lord. Proverbs nineteen twenty three. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. Whoever has it rests. Whoever has the fear of the Lord rests. If you want rest, have a healthy fear of the Lord. Be in reverent awe of Him. Don't try to fit Him into some mold that you're familiar with and that's more comfortable for you. Right? Like that might be the way to comfort, but that's not the way to rest. We must be in awe of God. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. Hebrews 4 then tells us that we should also have a healthy fear of simply hearing God's word, but not hearing it with faith. Because hearing without faith does not benefit you at all. Hearing God's word without faith does not benefit you at all. And so, uh, kids, let me have all the kids' attention right now, all right? You might be doing other things or, or, or uh, something, but, but let me get all the kids' attention here, all right? Kids, hearing God's word from me or from your parents or from your teachers or from anyone else that you might hear God's word from, it is not of benefit to you if you are not also trusting his words. And God's words can be trusted. Hear these words, but don't just stop with hearing these words. Trust these words. Trust these words. Okay, men, thank you kids. Men, listen up. 
just simply hearing these words does not benefit you at all if you are not actually trusting these words. And God's words can be trusted. Trust these words. Believe these words. All right, ladies. I haven't forgotten about you. Ladies, just simply hearing these words does not benefit you if you are not also trusting these words and believing these words. God's word can be trusted. And so we should have a healthy fear of not entering into or enjoying God's rest. And therefore, we should pay careful attention to not just hear these words, but to trust these words. We must trust these words. The people of God wandering the wilderness, they heard the promises of God. They heard the words of God, but they didn't rest upon them. They didn't trust them. They didn't believe them. And they didn't enter into God's rest. But here's the good news. Look at verse 3. Look back at Hebrews 4, verse 3. Through faith, believers have entered that rest. And so let's try to understand what that rest is and what it's all about and how we enter into it and how we enjoy it. Okay, that's where we're going with the rest of our time together. Look at Hebrews 4, verse 3. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day today saying through David so long ago in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. All right, first notice that this rest is not our rest. It is His rest. Okay? I've titled the sermon, Rest for the People. However, do not be confused. This is not a rest that you have achieved. This is not a rest you have obtained. This is a rest that you receive. It is God's rest. Right? God calls it my rest. This is God's rest. And Psalm 95, and here in Hebrews, God, God says, it is my rest. And then our author then ties this into the creation account from Genesis 2, how God created for six days, but then on the seventh, he rested. And, and just like that original creation account, After Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, Jesus has now rested from his work in regards to the new creation, right? I mean, mean, think about the creation and Jesus' work for the new creation. After Christ lived the life of obedience we failed to live, after he died a death that in our sin we deserve to die, and after he rose from the grave, proving his victory over Satan's sin and death, he ascended into heaven, and what we've talked about in Hebrews already is that then he sat down at the right hand of the Father, showing that the work was done. He rested. In Christ, the work of salvation was done. 
In Christ, the, the heavy lifting of the recreation was done. And our, the author of Hebrews is trying to help us see that, that these things in the Old Testament were ultimately pointing us to someone better, right? That the seventh day of creation was ultimately pointing us to Jesus. The, the Sabbath that the Israelites were told to observe was ultimately pointing us to Jesus. The rest in the promised land that, that Joshua obtained through military conquest, it was ultimately pointing us to Jesus. And that's why he can say that there still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, church. His name is Jesus. Jesus is your Sabbath rest. Look back at verse 10. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. In Christ, we no longer have to work for our right standing with God. In Christ, we no longer have to work to try to hide or cover our sin and shame. In Christ, we no longer have to work to pretend and perform in front of others so that they will think we are righteous. Because let me tell you, like that working for a right standing before God and others, that working is exhausting. Trying to earn his favor, trying to earn his acceptance on our own merits is a wearisome and ultimately impossible task. But the good news is, is that there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is your better rest. Through faith in Jesus, you can rest from working for your salvation. And you can now enter into God's rest, not because of your works, but because of the works of Christ. Right? We often say that we're not saved by good works. We're saved for good works, or we're saved unto good works. And, and that, that is true, but if you really wanted to get you know, precise on that, uh, uh, in fact, we are saved by good works, just not our own good works. We have been saved by the good works of Christ. And through faith in him, those good works have been credited to us. He did the work, and he now invites us to enter into his rest. To enter into his rest. But don't miss the significance of this reference to, to Joshua. All right, don't, don't miss the significance of the, 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 the reference to Joshua and the promised land and all that, because what the author of Hebrews is trying to show us is that, yes, the promised land was great. It gave the people some temporary rest, but ultimately God's rest is not found in a specific place or circumstance, but it is found in his presence. All right, God's rest is not found in a specific place or circumstance. It is found in his presence presence. Corey Tinboom once wrote, if you look at the word, uh, sorry, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. I mean, how great is that? And it rhymes, right? <laughs> if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. 
Now, now, why is it that Corey Ten Boom can write that from a concentration camp? That's not the most like restful of places. But you see, true rest, God's rest, is not dependent upon a specific place or circumstance. It is found in His presence. And so, why can Corey Ten Boom write that from a concentration camp, and most of us? living in the middle-class suburbs, can feel weary and fatigued all the time. Could it be where we are looking? Because distressed and depressed would be the two words I could sum up a lot of people that I know. But then there are those who look to God, whose faith is not in this world, whose faith is not even in themselves, but whose faith is in their God, and they enjoy His presence every hour of the day. That will be the person who is entered into and is, is enjoying the rest of God. Because God's rest is not found in a location or a season of life or a specific circumstance. God's rest is not found with certain election results or the control of the Senate. God's rest is not found when kids are a little older or work is a little slower. No, true rest is found in the presence of God. And there is only one way to enter God's presence, and that is through faith in Christ. Now this is something that through faith in Christ we can enter into today. But it will ultimately, we will ultimately and fully enjoy it when Christ returns. And so the answer is, okay, when is this God's rest, right? When is God's rest? Is it now or is it sometime in the future? And the answer to that is yes. The answer is yes, right? Both, right? We've been seeing in the book of Hebrews this idea of inaugurated eschatology. John even just mentioned it, right? Like the already here but not yet fully realized. That's the kingdom that we live in, Christ's kingdom. It's already here, but it's not yet fully realized. God's rest is here, but it is not yet fully realized. God's rest is not found in a place. It is found in a person, and he can be enjoyed right now. Right now. When I was in college at uh, Cedarville, Jamin, you asked if I was going to share a story. Here's the story, okay? All right. Uh, when I was at, at college at Cedarville, uh, I experienced a collapsed lung uh, or a spontaneous pneumothorax. I was uh, in chapel, uh, and I started to feel a pain in my side. And then walking to class, uh, I got out of breath and just couldn't make it to class, which was uh, a little unusual for a 19-year-old who was in decent shape to get so winded. And so I decided to go to the student health center and the student there doing the triage, uh, when they couldn't hear lung sounds on my left side, I got to quickly meet all the real nurses and paramedics and uh, be put into an ambulance and taken to the city of Dayton, Ohio, uh, and admitted to the hospital, put a chest tube in my side. And, uh, and, and that all happened like really quickly, right? Uh, uh, that happened really quickly. I'm not even sure if I got a chance to talk to Britt or my parents about everything that was happening. But all of a sudden, I found myself in a big hospital, admitted by myself with a chest tube in, in pain, 
And honestly, I was a little scared. Like, I didn't know what all was going on. Uh, and I was out of state, right, away from my family in Indiana. And, uh, and when you're in the hospital, I mean, you'd think that that would be a restful time because you're just laying there on a bed. But if any of you have ever been admitted to a hospital, you know it's not restful at all. Uh, you've got someone checking in on you like every 10 minutes, checking your vitals. Uh, and for me, as a 19-year-old, as a I was just un, uh, not, not at rest because I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know who everyone was. Uh, and, and I just w- was sort of just tired and weary. And, and, and all I wanted to do in that moment, all I wanted to do in that moment was to go home. Like, isn't that like when, when you feel bad or you feel sick or you feel tired and you don't feel well, like, isn't that just what you ultimately want to do? You just want to go home. <laughs> And I was in the hospital for a week. And everything changed, though. But everything changed and everything got better when something happened. And it was when my mom showed up. And even as I was saying that, maybe I should have said it was when Brittany showed up, but, but we weren't married at the time, all right? We were still dating, and, you know, when you're dating a, a girl, you don't necessarily, like, that's not your proudest moment, in the hospital gown, you know, her walking in, right? So it was, we were still in that stage of our relationship, but everything changed when my mom walked in. Like, isn't there just something that happens to you? And I know everyone has different, you know, relationships with their moms, okay? So, uh, but, but I think in general, isn't there just something that happens to you when your mom shows up? Like, all of a sudden, you can just, okay. You can just breathe a sigh of relief and rest. And that's how I felt in that moment, because I've got a great mom. And I know mom's watching this from home. I've got a great mom. You just breathe, I just breathed a sigh of relief and rested when mom got there because now all of a sudden I knew, hey, if I was asleep, mom could answer the questions. I knew mom would look out for me and make sure I had everything I needed. I knew everything was just going to be okay because mom was there. And it was because of her presence there that I could finally rest. Church, those of you who are longing for rest, you're not really longing for a place or a specific circumstance. You're longing for a person. You are not ultimately tired. You are homesick. You do not need your circumstances to be changed. You need God's presence to be enjoyed. Jesus came so that his people could rest. So rest. You're homesick. Listen, I I don't know what what the year 2021 will bring us. But I do know that the offer to enter into and enjoy God's rest still stands. 
and his rest can be experienced and enjoyed in a hospital room. His rest can be enjoyed in a jail cell or in an unemployment line. His rest can be enjoyed by people who maybe become the social outcasts of society. His rest can be enjoyed under persecution and under hardship and under trials and under oppression. His rest can still be sweet and refreshing to those who are longing for it and pursuing it. And so praise God when circumstances arrive in our lives that make us restless and tired. They are serving to remind us that we are not merely tired. We are homesick. We are longing for the presence of God. So blessed is the one who finds themselves homesick in this world. And what we celebrate come Christmas, I'm not going to wait two weeks. We're starting now, okay? What we're going to celebrate at Christmas is that just like when mom showed up at the hospital, it started to feel like home. When Jesus showed up in Bethlehem and when he showed up in your life, this all started to feel like home. We started to get taste of it. Church, we're not fully there yet. But he will be with us the rest of the way, and he's going to give us rest along the way. God's rest is not affected by the craziness of the world. And therefore, you don't have to wait for God to take you to a different place or to a different circumstance or to a different season of life. His presence is available to you here and now. You will never find rest in a specific place, only in a specific person, and his name is Jesus. Augustine once famously wrote in his confessions, he wrote, Thou movest us to delight in praising thee, for thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. You will never find rest in a specific place or circumstance, but only in a specific person, and his name is Jesus. And so church, when you are weary, when you are weary, is your first thought, I need to be spending more time with Jesus. Like where do you look and what do you go to for rest, for real rest? Listen, sometimes we do just need physical rest, all right? And I I acknowledge that. We have, you know, we have physical bodies. They have limitations. And sometimes you just need to go to sleep, okay? And that's okay. Sometimes you need to just go take a nap. Sometimes you are just physically tired and you need physical rest. But listen, all of our longings for rest should ultimately serve us, serve to us as reminders that, that our souls need a, a deeper, more eternal rest that is only found in the presence of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And therefore, we must go to him to experience God's rest, to enjoy God's rest. And therefore, we must strive to know him and trust him and enjoy him more. Look at Hebrews verse 11. Hebrews 4 verse 11. Let us strive to enter that rest. Now, that seems like a strange statement, right? Strive to enter rest. But when we understand that it's God's rest, and we receive this through being united by faith to Christ, 
then it is not a striving in our works, but it is a a striving in our faith, right? To keep believing, to keep hearing, to keep trusting, to keep knowing him, to keep enjoying him more, right? And to keep enjoying the rest that we have entered into. And the more we trust, the more we will enjoy his rest. The more you trust him right now, the more of his rest you will enjoy right now. I mean, think about this. Think about whatever circumstance you're in right now. We probably all have one or two that are sort of draining you, right? One or two relationships, one or two circumstances that are draining you and exhausting you. And I I dare you to prove me wrong on this, but the more you trust him in that circumstance, the more you trust him, the more of his rest you will enjoy. And whatever draining circumstance you are facing right now. More trust equals more enjoyment of this rest we have received. But if we're honest with ourselves, there are times when we are not enjoying the rest that we have received from God. We're just We're just neglecting it, right? We're not enjoying it. We're not embracing it. There are places in our heart that are not enjoying the rest that we have in Him. And so the question is, if we are to strive for more rest, how do we expose the restlessness and the homesickness that still exists in us? Like we need something from God to reveal the restlessness. How does this restlessness and lack of faith get exposed? Look back at Hebrews 4, verse 12. We get our answer. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. All right, here, here it is. These are some well-known verses you've probably even memorized at some point in your life. But let's try to look at this in a, in, a, in a fresh way here. It is the Word of God who reveals the restlessness that still exists in our hearts. It is the Word of God who reveals our weak or lack of faith. And when we talk about the Word of God, understand that we're referencing both the the written word of God, as well as the incarnate word of God, Jesus, all right? When we're talking about the word of God, we're talking about both our Bible as well as Jesus, who is the word who became flesh. And it is this word of God that is living and active, living and active. Jesus did not stay dead, and he's not just a historical figure in the past. He is currently living and active, and this word that he has given to his people is the same. This is not a static or dead textbook. When these words are read and when they are heard by faith, these words come alive. And many of you have experienced this. Some of you experienced this right after your conversion. Some of you, it's been more kind of gradual. But as you've read God's word, there are times where the words just jump off the page. We, we can read a, a text like, right, for, for uh, over and over and over again. And yet every time we do, there's like new things that are jumping out to us. It is living and active. These words can hit you to the core of your being, unlike any other book or word can hit you. 
This word is alive and it, it cuts through all the superficial stuff and it goes right down to discern your thoughts and intentions of your heart. Some of the things that you're not even aware of, the word cuts through down into. It exposes your sin and it lays it all out there. No creature is hidden from his sight. But thanks be to God that this word that convicts us, it also comforts us. This same word that reveals our restlessness, it also calls to us and says, come to me and I will give you rest. And yet many of us neglect spending meaningful time in the word of God. And there are many reasons why this happens, but, but I think one of the reasons is sometimes we're just intimidated to come to God's word because we don't necessarily always understand what it all means. And sometimes we just don't know what to do with it, right? I mean, it, it says some hard things in here. It says some things that definitely go against all the philosophies that we've been so ingrained with and just raised in. It goes against all the philosophies of like we're just swimming around in, right? I mean, it goes against things like humanism and individualism and materialism and consumerism and pragmatism and really all the isms. The Bible just kind of goes, it clashes against it, right? And so we'll come up to a passage that we don't know what to do with it, and that can frustrate us and, and confuse us and, and because we feel like we have to have mastery and control over all of this. But this verse is teaching us that our primary concern should not be what we do with the word. And I'll explain. But our primary concern should not be what we do with the word. For example, when I get down, when I get ready to study uh, for a sermon, you know, I mean, I, I, I get pretty intense with it, right? I've got my study Bible. I've got the commentaries. I've got the Bible software. I've got, you know, the dictionaries and the concordance, and I've got it, you know, all laid out. I try to be well-rested, well-caffeinated. I mean, I've got the setup right. It's almost like I'm going into surgery, and I'm going to break down the text, and I'm going to dissect it and cut it apart and examine it and analyze it, and then organize it and somehow try to explain it. And listen, all that is well and good. And we should be students of the word. That should be happening on occasion. That doesn't have to look like every time you sit down to read the Bible, but that, that can happen on occasion. But my personal experience and what Hebrews 4 is telling us is that when I sit down to by faith hear the word of God, Something even more important is happening than me doing surgery on the word. You see, the more important thing that is happening is that the word is doing surgery on my heart. And this happens, you know, almost every week as I'm preparing to teach and preach. And so I do feel like I just need to thank you. Like, thank you for this opportunity to come before the word and study it to get ready to preach. Because honestly, I mean, by the time I get in here to preach, 
I'm, I'm hoping it's of some benefit to someone else, but I know me personally has benefited from this time of wrestling with God's, hurt, God's word and some things about his word. It, it, it hurts. It kind of cuts deep sometimes, but he, he hurts me only to ultimately heal me, and he exposes me to assure me. And so, yes, I spend kind of hours working on the sermon, but really the word is spending hours working on me. Church, that is the more important thing, not what we do with the Word, but what the Word is doing with us. And so we have to get to the Word. We have to get ourselves into the Word. There are no other words like the Word of God. Putting yourself under the knife of Scripture, it is, it is not an elective procedure that can be put off. It is a life-saving procedure. That must be started today and continued for the rest of your life. But remember, we, we can't just come to this word just hearing without faith. We have to come with faith to hear the word or else it's not going to be of benefit to us. We can't come suspiciously to it. We have to come submissively to it. We have to come ready to submit ourselves to God's word and trust that his word is going to do a great work in our heart. And so listen, I know there are some difficult passages of Scripture. I mean, there are. And there can be disagreements among theologians and brothers and sisters about what specific passages mean, and that can sometimes dishearten us. But, but, but it should not really primarily dishearten us, church, because we should not be primarily concerned about what we do with the Word, but instead what the Word is doing with us. And so the reason that I love some of the difficult passages is because God has used those dif difficult passages in my life to humble me. The difficult passages are first and foremost humbling. They should humble you. They should give you an awe and a reverence for a God that was not created by man and therefore man cannot get their, his mind fully around him. The difficult passages should serve to humble us and not divide us. The greatness of God and how this all fits and works together should leave us in awe. It should cause us to worship. We should gaze at his glory and his wonder and his majesty and worship him as the true and living God. But oftentimes we like to get our minds around God's word so that we can feel safe and comfortable with it. But church, this is not safe. Don't try to domesticate it. It, it cuts deep. And it does a greater work with you than you will ever do with it. The word of God reveals our restlessness and it shows us how to enter into and enjoy God's rest through faith in Christ. And so here's the call. Put your faith in Christ and enter into God's rest if you've never done that this morning. And if you have done that, my call to you is to strengthen your faith, persevere in the faith, and enjoy his rest even more. Enjoy his rest even more. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up as I'm, I'm winding things down. But church, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, and his name is Jesus. God's rest is not found in a certain place. It is found in a certain person. And through faith in Jesus, you can rest from your working for salvation. And now you can enter in into God's rest because of the works of Christ.
Therefore, put your faith in Christ and enter into God's rest. Strengthen your faith, persevere in your faith, and enjoy his rest even more. And come to his word this week and allow it to do a great work in you. Every night when we put the boys to bed, we usually sing a couple of songs. And one of the songs that I like to sing is, is Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. And so I'm going to have you guys bow. We're going to pray, but I'm just going to read a couple uh, of verses from that song. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, and to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood. And in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, precious Savior, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that thou art with me and will be with me to the end.